This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello friends and welcome to another session of the Hot 4 podcast. On Tuesday the 21st of July, the Treasury made the following announcement as part of the Finance Bill, Draft Legislation and Tax Documents on the subject of small brewers relief in the UK and I quote, The government has concluded its review of this relief. In order to support growth, boost productivity and remove cliff edges, The scheme's taper will be smoothed. It will take effect more gradually over a wider range of production starting at 2100 hectolitres per year and be converted to a cash basis. A technical consultation will be brought forward in the autumn. The government will also consult on the potential for a grace period for small breweries that decide to merge. As you can imagine, This announcement has caused alarm, panic and disgust even amongst independent British brewers who now face the prospect of an unknown duty hike should they fall between the annual hectoliterage with no further details availing themselves until the autumn budget announcements in October and November. Naturally, opinions have been divided and the discussions on the subject divisive. On the one hand, independent brewers such as Leeds North Brewing, Manchester's Cloudwater and commentators such as James Beeson and Roger Protz have made statements regarding SBR, as have many from within the UK industry their dismay at the small brewers due to reform coalition who have supported these changes. And yet, on the other hand, breweries such as Timothy Taylor's chief executive, Tim Dewey, has made an open statement on their website as to why they agree with the changes in beer duty. Further still, Oakham Ales, a member of SBDRC, say they certainly do not agree with the reduction of the small brewer's threshold. Quote, unquote, this is an unwarranted, punitive and unnecessary step. Another organisation who is speaking up for independent British beer and working hard for its members on this issue is none other than CBA, the Society of Independent Brewers Association. Seba represents a wide and diverse range of British brewers and has the challenging job of holding these positions in tension while lobbying government in the best interests of independent British beer as a whole. SBR has long been a lifeline to breweries competing in an ever-increasingly difficult marketplace and this is a topic that myself and Neil Walker from Seba discuss in today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast. But it doesn't stop there. Seba have had their work cut out for them since the coronavirus pandemic plagued the beer and hospitality industry and life as we know it. They've pushed the government on a variety of issues, including the relaxing of licensing laws to enable brewers to sell their products direct to consumers without a premises license through a web shop. They've responded to the Northern Ireland Executive, who recently announced their proposals to reform liquor licensing, asking them to take the proposals further to include tap rooms. 
and they've opened much of their info and advice to non-members to offer support and a lifeline in desperate times. And to top it off, Neil has been organising SIBA's first ever Digital Beer Awards to take place this week. Now, SIBA haven't always got it right. And whether you're a member or you're supportive from the sidelines or you have your reasons as to why membership isn't the right fit for you and your brewery, there's no denying that if we all band together as an industry, we can make our collective voice heard where it matters. And in my opinion, SIBA is a good vehicle to be the spearhead for the voice of British beer. Some of the topics we referenced today have already been covered in previous episodes. These include interviews with SIBA's Chief Executive James Calder, the Deposit Return Scheme with Barry Watts, who is their Head of Public Affairs and Policy, as well as a variety of board members, including Roosters Ian Fozard, Lincoln Green's Anthony Hughes and Wildcard's Jager Wise, to name but a few. So today I wanted to give not so much of a brewery shout out, but more of an organisational shout out. Whether you're a brewer or a supplier, SIBA offers brewing members a range of benefits, including government lobbying, as you will hear today, entry into the regional and national beer awards, compliance advice, a variety of brewery business tools, promotional opportunities and practical guides which pull together essential legislative advice for brewers on everything from bottle and can labelling to dealing with changes in the law. Just to be totally transparent, Hot Forward is a supplier associate member and I'm looking to become a full brewing member with Emmanuel's when that gets relaunched in the autumn. More on that little exclusive to follow in weeks ahead. So I'm endorsing SIBA off my own back from my own experience as a member. If you would like to become a brewing member or supplier associate member, then visit seba.co.uk and follow the membership links where you can find out how to join the fees involved and the application forms. Let's see together if we can get the membership to over a thousand brewers in the UK. Okay, so ahead of today's discussion with Neil Walker from Seba, make sure you follow us at Hot Forward Beers on all the social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Join our Facebook group by searching for Hot Forward on Facebook. I'm sure you will find it and get involved with the community there with discussion surrounding everything from beer brands and business and visit our website hotforward.beer where we work with brewers suppliers bottle shops bars and beer businesses of all shapes and sizes taking a whole brew house approach when helping our clients to bring valuable insights from our experiences in commercial brewing branding and marketing we're here to make your beer look as good as it tastes and to help you brew up a better business we do collaborate with breweries brands and beer businesses of all shapes and sizes and we can help you transform your beer business and hot rocket your way to success so that's hopforward.beer i would love to find out what you're up to with your venture and see if we can help in any way right so by the time you'll be listening to this i'll be knee deep in judging beer for the seba digital beer awards so whilst i do that you can tune in to this discussion i had but a few days ago with Neil Walker, Head of Comms and Marketing for CBER, talking about a wide range of policy issues and how CBER have been tackling the coronavirus pandemic.
Today on the Hotfoot Podcast, I'm joined by Neil Walker, Head of Comms and Marketing for CBA. Hello. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, good. It's uh, yeah, getting used to the new normal, I think, by now. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, extremely busy. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So, I mean, you work remotely in part anyway, don't you? Because I know you go up to Ripon sometimes, or you did pre-COVID. Yeah. But um, yes. so we um, we're kind of spread out all over the place. We're um, the the, the team kind of punch above our weight, but we're, we're we're quite a small team really. So we've got a small team based up at our head office in Ripon in North Yorkshire, and then you've got myself um, head of comms, and you've got Barry who's head of public affairs, and James who are all based down um, just outside of London or inside of London uh, in in the southeast. Um, yeah, so we're kind of spread out all over the place. So working from home and working remotely is not um, totally alien to me. I'm just getting used to everybody else doing it as well. Yeah, fair enough. And whereabouts are you from? I'm trying to place your accent. Yeah, well, originally I'm from East Yorkshire, so I'm from a little town called Goole, which is um, oh, yeah, okay. kind, of, kind of near to Hull. Um, and then went to university in Leeds and was, was in Leeds for, well, for university, but then for a little bit afterwards, so probably about eight years in total. So I think I kind of picked up a little bit of that so i've just got a generic yorkshire accent now essentially yes i was going to say yorkshire and i was actually going to say leeds so um there you go there, there yeah. we go it was yorkshire we can stick together <laughs> so um cool and and how's life for you been since ciba beer x i mean that that seems like a whole other lifetime ago now it, it does yeah i mean we um i don't know if everyone's aware of the kind of timing of that but we were very very close to not being able to do that event um you know at the time that went ahead it was i think the 11th and 12th of of march uh, which was essentially the week before lockdown um but at that stage you know the the government advice was that um and conferences and and type, that type of event could go ahead safely um we actually put in kind of extra measures um that we felt were appropriate to ensure that it was as safe as possible so we had you know no handshaking and we had um a really kind of strict uh kind of cross-contamination policy for the for the bars and things like that so you know no mixing of, of clean and dirty glasses and staff and things like that um, and all of that seemed to work really well um you know we, we we didn't hear of any kind of mass breakouts of coronavirus after it or anything like that um so i'm glad i'm glad it went ahead but i'm glad we were extra careful um because mm. yeah the, as of the next week um things were locked down so we, we, we just we just got it over the line before uh, you know before we couldn't yeah, I think it was the last beer event, and possibly the last time I'd been in a pub that week. Um, that week in Liverpool, uh, so it's, I, I do look back on it with, with fondness, thinking, um, you know, I'm not sure how long it will be before I get to do that kind of thing again. Yeah, it was. Um, it's a, you know, it's a big one for the Seba team as well. You know, we we spend a lot of our uh, probably a quarter of the year kind of working towards beer X. Um, it's a massive undertaking. It's obviously the the national finals for our independent beer awards as well so all the brewers have got the beers there um so i mean it would have been a huge anticlimax not to be able to do it um but yeah we, we wouldn't have gone ahead if the if the official government advice was was to not go ahead but i'm glad we did um and yeah it was uh it was a bit surreal because it, it, it was the last time i was i was in the pub before lockdown and mm. speak to quite a few people in the industry i speak to matt curtis the other day and he was saying exactly the same thing you know um drinking kind of pints in the ship and mitre or a dead crafty in um, in liverpool for a lot of us was the last time we we got to enjoy a, a kind of proper pint of draft beer before lockdown so yeah we just didn't know that at the time yeah mine was dead crafty and then i think the um the imperial stout that 
I got bought by the guys from Boss Beer. That that was my undoing. <laughs> it's a miracle that I managed to get back to the hotel, actually. But there you go. Uh, so today I want to talk all about the work Siva have been doing for um, independent brewers throughout the global pandemic. I mean, it seems like um, yourself and Barry and James and the team have been working tirelessly to support the brewing industry. Can you give our listeners an overview of the sort of things that you've been up to? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, the first thing to say is that at the kind of very start of this, um, you know, we, we as, a, as, as a team and, and definitely James kind of recognised that this was this was not going away anytime soon. This was going to be a, a serious, serious impact on the industry. Um, and we took the decision to essentially open Cibra up. So we um, we opened up all of our comms. We opened up any of the advice we were giving um, and any of the information we would normally give to our members. Uh, we opened that up to non-members. Um, we just did not think that it was an acceptable position to only be explaining the situation or only be explaining um, policy or what we're doing to our members. So we opened that totally up to non-members fully transparent um, and that went across the whole team so you know the whole of our team including um, the, the office team were briefed on exactly that you know essentially any any brewers that are getting in touch or any brewers that need help um, help them um, it doesn't matter if they're a seed member or not so so that was that was the right thing to do and I'm, I'm really glad we did it because I think we've helped a lot of brewers and also I think there's a lot of brewers that were potentially not members of seed prior who can now kind of see what what Seba's all about, and that you know we we're trying to be the good guys, and we're trying we're, we're trying to help. Um, so I'm glad we did that to begin with. Um, essentially, what we've been doing, I think, is deciphering a lot of the stuff that's coming from from government uh, has been a really really important part of it. Um, there's been a lots of conflicting advice, and there's been a lot of lack of support for small independent breweries from the beginning. Um, and there's a lot of information that comes out in a very convoluted way. Not be, that's not blaming this government. That's just how kind of government policy works. So having um, having a, a team who can decipher that and who can say, you know, here's what's come out from government. Here's the rules as of five o'clock today. Here's what you need to do as a brewer ready for tomorrow. Um, I think that's hugely valuable. Um, and that's why we started doing those daily um, daily update emails and sending those to, to members and non-members and anybody that wanted to get them. Um, it kind of became a digest of of what's going on right now with, with coronavirus um, and what you as a brewer need to know. Um, and everything's kind of stemmed out from there. I think um, that kind of gave us a, a starting point and a focus. Yeah. So it was announced yesterday at the time of recording this discussion that the government is moving the sliding threshold um, on beer duty from 5,000 hectolitres to 2,100 per annum. I mean, what what sort of impact do you, you think this will have and how will it affect those breweries who will be affected by it both in the short term and longer term? And I would, I would imagine you've had a very busy day today. Yeah, it's been um, it's been an well, it seems like every 24 hours has been interesting over the last four months. But yeah, this has been a particularly interesting one. I mean, this has got the potential to be a, a huge, huge threat to we think about 150 um, small breweries. The government are essentially moving what they consider a, a small brewery from being under 5,000 hectolitres to under 2,100 hectolitres. Um, that's where small brewers relief or the maximum amount of small brewers relief at 50% will, will stop. And the problem is, is that we, we, we've not got the information from government as to what that new scale will look like. So, you know, if it's at 2,100, um, it's 50%, and then at 5,000, it's 45%. That's very different than um, if at 5,000 it's 
30 percent or 25 percent um so without that information it's, it's difficult to say exactly what impact it's going to have and obviously further up the scale um there has been well they're saying there's going to be some smoothing of that curve to kind of remove those cliff edges to, to stop breweries wanting to um limit their production when they get to five thousand. you know it's, it's a very difficult amount to get past you know if you've got a brewer that's just under that and then you're looking to up your capacity so that you are just over that five thousand under the current system um very very difficult um and there really is a you know a big leap in your your duty overnight so if they can smooth that then, that then great but our position has always been that any smoothing of that curve and any benefit for for those brewers which are looking to grow should not come um to the detriment of of, of smaller brewers mm-hmm. and you know, looking at the, there's not that much information that's come out from government, but looking at that and in the conversations we've had with the minister, um, it, it certainly looks like that. that is what's happened. Now, this won't come into effect until tail end of, of next year. So it's a little way off and they are consulting with the industry on this. So, you know, the, the, there's definitely an opportunity for CBA, um as the voice of small independent breweries to, to kind of guide government in this. Um, certainly been it seems from this government uh, a tendency to, to release something and then see what the, the reaction is to it and then fill in the details of the actual policy so i'm hoping we can help them fill in the details of the actual right. policy yeah so when it when it comes to lobbying the government what, what does that actually involve so like you say you know if, if you're able to help them shape or at least have your two penneth worth um with them as to what this policy should look like um, you, you mean how does it actually work and do they listen to you because I'm aware that CBA for example will often encourage brewers to write to their MPs about various issues but practically how does it help because it can feel a little bit as a brewer and I've known this when I was at Sheffield Brewery Company you know um, and I'd get those emails about writing to my MP it can feel a little bit still like well what difference am I going to make? And I know it's the whole thing of like, well, you know, if lots of people all say it, it makes a difference, but sometimes it just kind of feels like the government just don't listen regardless. So like what, what does lobbying actually involve from CBA's perspective? Yeah. I mean, from a, from a really practical point of view, it's, it's going to depend on, on the MP. It's going to depend how, um, how, you know, how they feel about the issue, how likely they are to listen. But, you know, letters to MPs do work, and what they do when they're most successful um, is essentially get that MP to put the um, to put your points across to government, and they get them to raise it with their minister, or they get them to to raise it in Parliament. You know, if you can get an MP raising a parliamentary question or a you know for the Prime Minister um, a Prime Minister's question times, then that's going to be hugely powerful. Um, but w- when it works best is essentially with a kind of two-pronged attack so if you've got CBA you know knocking on the right doors and speaking to the right people um, you know we're in constant contact with uh, with number 10 and with the Treasury um, and, and as a representative of you know 800 small breweries in the UK they, they're going to listen to um, to CBA as, as their kind of industry body um, if we're speaking to them and we're speaking to the minister and speaking to number 10 and then you know brewers are getting in touch with their MPs and those MPs are then raising it with the minister, and they're getting it from both sides. That, that's hugely powerful. Um, I think I think Seba's job really is to set the policy first of all in line with what our members want. So to ensure that the the, the policy which we're setting and the direction in which we want to progress things, we're open and honest with our members. So we say, you know, we share it with the board, and we say, here's what we're we're looking to do. Here's what we think is a good strategy. Clearly, we've got people in place within 
Seba's senior management team, such as Barry, such as James, who's got a lobbying background, obviously, um, who know what they're talking about. And as long as brewers agree with what we're proposing, then we've got to be able to push that to, to our members and we've got to be able to mobilise those those members. You know, we're a broad church and not everybody's going to agree on absolutely everything, but where SIBA can offer advice and offer um, what we think is the best strategy, um, then all of us pushing in the same direction with very clear, you know, lines of attack and messages, that's going to be way more successful than 800 separate businesses with slightly different messages um, attacking in different ways. So, yeah. At its best, it's us speaking to the minister and number 10 and whoever we can at the top end and then brewers speaking to their MPs um, just to ensure that a government will get it from both sides. Yeah. So coming back to the small brewers relief and the, the schemes tapering being being smoothed, the Treasury right, it, they think it will boost productivity. But, I mean, do you agree with that? And how do you think that will work? Because obviously, as you said, you know, there are these cliff edges and I could appreciate why a certain brewery would be like, well, I don't want to go through that 5,000 hectolitre mark, so we're not we're not going to grow. And I've talked to breweries who intentionally haven't. Um, yeah. But I personally can't fail to see how it will boost productivity because it's like, you know, it's, it's putting people in a difficult position and I can't really see how it's going to incentivise people to grow. I, th- I think... I think what they're getting at with with those two kind of sound bites, I think what they're basically trying to say is that it's going to make it easier for those brewers who want to increase their capacity to do so. So if you, you know if you are a brewer that's that's higher up that curve and you have been holding off kind of up in your production, then you may look to do that now. So it's going to increase the amount that's produced for, for some breweries. What it doesn't take into account is for, is that for those breweries um, that are between that two thousand one hundred and five thousand. This could potentially be disastrous, and this could lead to to brewery closures. So, you know, that is absolutely not stimulating growth or or, or boosting the economy if you're causing small businesses to close. So, you know, that's why our model was always to maintain the levels below 5,000 with a smoothing of the curve above that so that that everyone benefits. And actually, you know, if you speak to most breweries, even now that that are above that 5,000, or even if they're more fairly recently gone through that struggle and, and are now above that, they don't want to pull the drawbridge up behind them. You know, that they want to support other small breweries um, in growing um, and becoming larger businesses. Um, also, you know, 5,000 is, within small brewery terms, is a relatively large brewery. I mean, most of SIBA's members are under 1,000 hectolitres, um, and some of those businesses are not going to be looking to, to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. But it's just ensuring that, that there is a path to, to grow if, if breweries want to do that. Um, and I think, f- to a certain extent, the, the, the government have, have just created another problem. Um, they've, they've just, yeah, they're, they're dropping the benefit for a very relatively large segment of, of small breweries um, who have already been hit incredibly hard by coronavirus. Yeah. So how does SIBA manage to hold those tensions politically between breweries that ha- are, you know, support one party politically and another that support another party and then all the baggage that comes with that and the issues that come with that obviously you know it's it's almost like you've got to be the middleman but like how how does CBA do that effectively without you know pissing everyone off 
Yeah, I mean, as a you know, as a trade association and as a as a lobbying group on behalf of brewers, you know, we don't take a, a particular political stance. So what, what I mean by that is, you know, we do not have a, a left or a right leaning or anything like that, and we're, we're not looking to to ever attack um, individual political parties. And what we will do is we will congratulate when 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 policy is you know beneficial for our members, and we'll attack when we think that policy is is not beneficial for our members, or that a government is not doing enough to to support small breweries. But it's it's not on any kind of party political lines. It's it, it's just what is best for breweries. Um, and if we think that the government, whatever government that is, are not doing enough to support small breweries, then we'll be um, we'll be making your voices heard. Mm. So what's your biggest frustration when it comes to working with the government to get reform or even even just some of the issues on the table for small and independent breweries? I mean, one of the, one of the biggest issues in, in recent years has been change of cabinet. <laughs> um, you know, you can we, we do a lot of work with, um, with one minister and then, then that minister will change and we're going to have to start all over again. And there's been, there's been quite a few things, I mean, particularly on small brewers relief where there's been lots of changes of personnel within the treasury, changes of ministers, um, and they, you know, in, inherit the, the problems or they inherit the, the the documents and ideas from from previous administrations and from from previous people that were in that position um, within government. So that can be difficult. You know, you, you feel like you've made headway with um, with a member of parliament or with with a minister, and then things can things can change. Sometimes change for the better, sometimes change for the worse. Um, but you feel like you're starting again, so so that can, that can be slightly frustrating, um, and also you know it can be difficult sometimes to understand the timings around things. I mean, you know, the the government, are, all governments are quite cagey on exactly when they're going to announce things and the timings of things. But we have you know calls with government, and we're told that essentially small brewers relief had been postponed or the results of the small brewers relief review had been postponed and we wouldn't hear about them until um the autumn which in which in government terms usually means october or november um for like an autumn budget um and then it came out yesterday <laughs> so so yeah you, you can get caught off the cuff a little bit sometimes um and it it can be frustrating if, if you're kind of preparing towards one thing um and then things change but that that's just that's just government yeah so what have been the hardest challenges Seba's faced since lockdown and how have you as a team faced those challenges? Um, I think I think really during lockdown, I think the difficulty the difficulty for us as an organization has been tiny compared to the difficulty that brewers have faced. Um, you know, I've been incredibly busy during this. Um the team has been incredibly busy during this and to be honest we're happy to be really busy because we know how tough brewers have got it um we've had to kind of pivot everything that we do and you know move away from <clears throat> what we would usually be doing um during a week to doing everything we can to support brewers during coronavirus um not just myself but the, you know the whole office team um so that's been difficult um it's been a change but we've been kind of happy to do it really um, I think for a lot of breweries, we've, we've tried to be a lifeline, we've tried to be available, we've tried to be, you know, on the phones and <clears throat> answering the phones to brewers, speaking to them regularly, because it can feel a little bit lonely out there when things are going as, as badly as, as they were for, for some brewers. I mean, there's some glimmers of hope, you know, we know that there's been lots of lots of increase in um, sales directly to consumers. So lots of breweries that had 
the ability to sell direct to consumers so already had a web shop, perhaps already had a bottling um, or a canning line, you know, they were in a position to, to stop putting the beer into pubs and to start putting the beer into small pack. But if you were a small cask-led or even just draft-led um, brewery, is incredibly difficult because you know 80% of your sales were, were wiped out overnight without really any support um, from government. None of the financial support that's available to the hospitality industry were available to to breweries, um, or very very little. I know some breweries around the country have managed to get access to some of the kind of local government uh, grants, but that is rare. Um, so it's it's been really tough, and I think a lot of breweries have, have found it very tough, and especially in the early kind of period of this, in the first couple of months had to start looking into, you know, how do I get a bottling line? How do I get a canning line? How do I get some beer out to market? Because putting your cask beer into um, takeaway containers and delivering it in your local area is a nice thing to do, and it's lovely, and I've ordered them myself from my local breweries, but it is not a sustainable business model over mm-hmm. the long term. So a lot of breweries have had to have really tough conversations and, and, and tough uh, meetings with the staff Um we have seen redundancies. We're going to likely see more redundancies. And I think the furlough scheme has, has helped with that and flexible furlough has helped with that. Um, but it's not a long-term solution. And, yeah, unfortunately, we're going to see redundancies. We're going to see breweries close unless um, we get more support. So how do you think this is going to pan out if, in particular, there's another peak of the coronavirus in the UK or this drags – well, I mean, it's looking like it's going to drag on for years you know, I think it's I think it's unrealistic to be, to be honest. Expects it to quote unquote be all over by Christmas. As uh, yeah, what w- one minister who um, should remain nameless, but is the prime one, <laughs> seemed to suggest. You know, um, I mean, what's the in your view? What's the long term prognosis for the brewing industry in Britain? I, th- I definitely think it's going to change the way in which. Um, brewers set up their businesses. Um, I think that having your own, I mean, having your own direct route to market, so having tap rooms and then and, and brewery shops and things like that has become inc- it's become massively important over the last couple of years. I mean, you, you look at Sieber's, um British Beer Report, British Craft Beer Report, and it's grown exponentially over the last couple of years. So that's going to continue, I think. I think you're going to, you're going to see brewers wanting to rely less on, on pubs and, and restaurants and starting to go direct to market. But I think even more than that, I think you're going to see breweries want to have a um, a direct consumer sales route. So having a really good web shop, um, having a really good beer subscription service, um, putting the beer increasingly into bottle and can. Because I think what this has done is it, it's it's shown breweries that you know relying on one customer, the pub market. Um, is not sustainable because it can get taken away. Um, it might be the first time it's been taken away in most people's lifetimes. Um, but if there is a second peak or a third peak or something else comes along, we've seen now that it can be taken away. And I think breweries are going to start to put things in place to ensure that they can survive that. Yeah. Are CB doing anything to help support those breweries that are basically needing a, a premises license to sell their beers direct to consumers because like you say for the ones that have have got that off license to sell online and you know we've got the canning lines or whatever great stuff just pivot overnight get it all online off it goes but there's a whole process in place that you've got to go through and a series of um, hoops to jump through legally to be able for you to sell that beer from your premises and a lot of breweries don't have that and i yeah. read one council um, had extended, I, I mean, albeit this was for um, pavement licences, 
um, for bars, but they'd extended the period, which was, I think, normally seven days to 28 days. So there was a lot of uproar from local bars and restaurants and pubs and things. You know, similar things could potentially happen from local authorities when it comes to offering premises licences. Like, what, yeah. what are CB doing anything to, to help lobby government to relax those laws? Because... And it, yeah, again, it's it, easy to think that, um, oh, you know, everyone's going to sell illegal booze now if we relax that. But the reality is most people aren't. Yeah, I mean, it's about it's about a quarter of about a quarter of our members, actually, that, that don't have that that kind of um, off sales license in, in place. And we've been yeah lobbying government and speaking to local authorities to see and well, try to get that loosened um, so that um, those businesses with you know, brewing licenses can automatically get that off-sales license, whether it's done for a, a short period of time uh, or whether they put some restrictions in place on that so there's a limit to it, um, that that might have to happen. But it is definitely something we've been we've been asking for. I mean, good example recently has been the, the lobbying work we've been doing in, in Northern Ireland. So we've um, we've currently actually only got two two brewery members in Northern Ireland, but I'm hoping it's it's going to grow um but we've had limited a limited success recently over there i mean the, the situation in northern ireland is um even more difficult than it is here so they've now changed it so that um breweries can get off sales licenses so they can sell direct to the public um and they can have uh, off sales so they, they can have a um a brewery shop where they sell bottles of beer and they can also do brewery tours and they can um give samples of beer at the end of the tour we wanted them to go further. We wanted them to um, introduce a situation where they can have tap, tap rooms, um, the same as the rest of the UK. They haven't done that yet, but we're we're trying to yeah get more Northern Irish breweries to to join so that we've got a kind of louder voice in that government. Um, but it's a really good example of where we, we've managed to get a result in a very short period of time. And I, I know Barry was absolutely instrumental um, in getting that and, and speaking to to government there. Um, and we've been doing similar things over here, um, just trying to find the various different ways you can do it. You know, there's mm. there's more than one way to skin a cat, and um, we're we're trying a few different ways at the moment. Yeah. So this week sees the first ever Ciba Digital Beer Competition. I mean, c- can you talk us through that? How did that idea come about? What's it been like to organise? And um, how, how's it, how's it going to work? Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, it's. It, I must admit that, that that's one that was that's one that was my idea. So kind of proposed that to our team, and we took the decision um, relatively early on that we were going to postpone our, our regional beer competitions. So if you that don't kind of know how our Cibers beer competitions work, we have uh, eight regions around the UK. They either run their own beer festival or they kind of uh, work with another beer festival and they run a, a beer competition called you know Southwest Independent Beer Awards or. Uh, Scotland Independent Beer Awards or whatever the whatever the region is um, or country is should I say in that case um, obviously with coronavirus going on um, beer festivals are cancelled um, gatherings such as that are cancelled so we actually had to cancel essentially all of the regional beer competitions for the whole of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 um, that being said it seems such a shame not to be able to do something for our members and to, to give them something um, some good news to tell so we kind of came up with this idea of a potential digital beer competition, um, doing the judging via via Zoom or via Skype, as like we're talking on on now. Um, from the very beginning, we basically said that we would um, get breweries to send those beers into a central hub. We then sort them out into judging boxes and get them sent out to to judges. Um, they then log onto a um, kind of judging panel table and the 
talk about those beers, judge them and rate them in exactly the same ways we usually usually do for SIBA competitions. And that's essentially exactly how it panned out. Um, we were absolutely blown away by the amount of entries we got. Um, we opened it up to non-members as well. So we, um, we non-member breweries who were kind of SIBA eligible. So as long as you're an independent brewery in the UK, you could enter the competition. Um, and we actually had some, uh, some brewers kind of join SIBA as a result of the competition. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, we had, we had about, uh, about 500, 500 different beers entered. Um, so that's about 3,000 bottles of beer for our, our competitions team to, to, to sort out from about 180 different breweries. And I've got to say as well, a massive, massive thank you to, to Jenna and Cheryl from our competitions team. Um, they were down at Quantock Brewery. Um, Quantock Brewery in the southwest is, is Cheryl's brewery. And Jenna from the competitions team who works full-time for SIBA, she, she was down there helping sort out those 3,000 beers into judging boxes and then I had the bright idea of adding some crisps and chocolate and a glass and pens and things like that. So they they, uh, they were doing all that as well. Um, and all of those beers have now been delivered to to brewers to brewers to judges this week. Um, and yeah, things will be underway as of eleven o'clock tomorrow morning. Then we'll really find how it's how it's going. Uh, well, I must say when my box came yesterday um my my kids very eagle-eyed noticed the crisps and the penguin well, can we have those i'm like no they're for the competition yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a two-year-old and i must admit he he found the penguin immediately and ripped it up and ate it immediately so my penguin's gone oh look at that it's amazing the ability to to sniff out these things isn't it as a kid um so yeah i mean that's 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 going to be amazing um i mean what are some of the other ways that you think seba will will change over the next 18 months because we've seen a lot of change over the past 18 months with with james coming the chief executive um you know how, how do you think seba's going to change because of the whole coronavirus thing you know into the future yeah i think um i think we're going to change as the beer industry changes itself i mean seba is an organization we are our board is made up of, of elected brewers from across the uk so you know we've got elected directors from each of the regions they are brewers them themselves and they make up that seed board um as you mentioned there you know as of as of last year and then with, with james becoming chief executive we've got essentially a brand new leadership team you know myself and, and barry and, and, and rachel in that senior management team um and we're really enthusiastic about the, the future of SIBA. We all love the organization. We all love the industry. Um, and that really does kind of spread down to the whole team. Um, but if things want to change in SIBA and we want to move things forward, we need more um, you know, young, fresh voices um, on that board. Um, we've got lots of lots of passionate brewers that are involved in SIBA, and we can always use more passion and, and more interest. Um, there's lots of expertise on that board that's hugely, hugely valuable. But if, you, if you're a brewer listening to this and you're not sure kind of what direction SIBA's going in or what direction we should be going in, then then all I would say is that you know our direction and, and, and our our leadership is absolutely led by brewers, um, and those brewers themselves are chosen by their by their regions. So you know, change things from the inside. Join SIBA, um, get involved with your local regional meeting, get involved with the board, enter a beer competition, speak to some brewers. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to, to get things moving when the, when there's a few of us on the inside working together. Um, it's far too easy, I think, to snip from the from the outsides. And there's things that you know could be done better. There's things that you might not agree with, but yeah, every, everything's up for the change. Every, everything's there to be made better so yeah i'll just ask brewers to get involved and i'm excited about where, where the industry is going but 
even if it is going to be a, a tough couple of years ahead of us. Yeah, and do you think by Brewers and, and those particular personalities coming on board in that capacity, do you think that's that'll lend more weight to CBA, um, but both as an organisation and from a parliamentary point of view, and, and give CBA a bit more gravitas if they've got those kind of really, um, I guess, forward-thinking, vocal um, individuals on board? Yeah. Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, like I say, you, th- things can change, and, and those things that, that change usually come fr- from brewers. I mean, you only have to look at the, the southeast. I mean, you know, Jager Wise from Wildcard Brewery's done, done an amazing job uh, as, as chair of the Ciba Southeast. She's worked with us on various different things, um, such as our kind of um, marketing and in- inclusivity charter that we have, which is essentially around um, excluding any sexism or racism or dis- discriminatory uh, language in beer um, and helping to kind of push that throughout our membership. So in- encouraging brewers to engage with that process and make sure that, you know, a, a beer label that they think might be quirky and a bit funny is actually not appropriate for a kind of modern um, independent brewery. That's been, re- that's been amazing. Um, another thing was the recent Love Beer London um, Beer Festival, which kind of used wildly different system than we've ever used before it was a very very different um event for C, but it was a keg only beer competition and the reason it came about was what normally happens is those regional competitions that i mentioned they happen across the uk and they tend to be well they, they are uh cask beer and small pack beer um and then because historically there wasn't as much of it the keg beer went to the the national final at beer x i mean keg beer has now grown so much amongst small independent breweries that actually we've got way too much beer being judged at BRX in, in Liverpool and we could do with the regions taking that keg beer back and judging it regionally. And that's exactly what happened at, at Love Beer London in the southeast. There's so many amazing breweries around London and the southeast making fantastic keg beer that they could put on an entire festival and run their own beer competition um, just on the keg beer entries. So, yeah, I mean, everything is there for, there for the changing for the better. Um, and I think getting new voices involved and getting prominent people from the industry. I mean, I thought it was great recently seeing um, Andy Parker from Elusive Brewery kind of stepping up and saying that he'd like to put his backing behind Sebra and um, pushing the Sebra 1000, so getting the membership up to 1,000 breweries. That would be amazing. We absolutely support that. And bringing people in like Andy who know the industry, who are well-liked in the industry um, and know what they're talking about, that can only be a good thing and we, we would welcome them to, them to get involved. Yeah. And last question then, like what do you think specifically will be the biggest challenge to the beer industry over the next few years and what steps do you think brewers can do now to mitigate some of those challenges? I mean, obviously, I appreciate it's hard to look into crystal ball because no, nobody in January thought we'd be in the position we're in now. But Yeah. Um, I think... I think one of the big challenges is, it's a challenge there's always been, is, is that access to market. Um, I mean, historically, that, that, that access to market was always, it was difficult to get into the big pub companies. You know, get, getting your beer into those big pub companies was, was difficult. Um, you know, Siva tried to help brewers get around that by the introduction of the DDS, um, so direct delivery scheme and what became Beerflex. Um and we've kind of developed that and, and tried to, to make it um, available to more brewers and try to do different things as well. So not necessarily the putting cask beer into big pub companies, but we've now done a thing called uh, Taste of Champions, which was uh, basically selling award-winning CBA members' beers into retailers. So in, uh, booths are, are taking this on. So you, know, you, you win the National CBA Award, you can potentially get your beer listed um, in booths and some other retailers. So there's various things we're doing like that. 
Um, but what I was going to say was, was, was that access to market is becoming difficult in lots of different ways. And I think that's why tap rooms are growing in popularity. I think that's why um, selling direct to consumers is growing in popular, popularity. And I think if I was a brewer setting up today or I was a relative new brewery, the number one thing on my agenda would be ensuring that I've got various um, access to market. So I'm not just relying on, you know, selling to my local market. I'm not just relying on online sales. I'm not just relying on pubs. But you you, you spread yourselves across various um, touch points. I think that's really the, the the best way that you can grow your business right now. Yeah. Well, I think that's applicable for any business having those multiple streams of income. And I was always amazed when I came into the brewing industry you know um to see how many brewers literally just relied on pubs you know yeah. and and um because my background wasn't in beer it just it made no sense so i was just like well why why haven't you set up an online shop why isn't your tap room open you know why, why are you not embracing these direct to consumer channels you know i remember yeah. seeing um pete brown who wrote i think it was the the cast report a couple of years ago saying like you know there's a there's a whole section of the on licensed trade like cinemas theaters and so on that breweries don't target you know it amazes yeah. me you know the amount of theaters that have a have hand pumps and that kind of thing and or you know they, they sell alcohol but brewers you know had been so tunnel visioned about i need to get my beer into this pub or craft beer bar or whatever and yeah. um you know it's, i think it's a, actually if corona if it's Actually, if it's taken coronavirus to disrupt the industry for the better long term, then hopefully, you know, it will serve everyone well. And I know it's never quite as black and white and as clear cut as that. There's a lot of bad things that'll come out of this too. But and well, I was going to say, I think I do think it's one of the ways that we we try to help as well. So, I mean, whether it's, um, you know, advice on the, the correct kind of local licensing you're going to need if you want to set up a tap room or things like that, um, or really practical stuff. I mean, I, I didn't kind of mean to do it, but then when I started writing it, it became a bit of a thread, but about kind of optimizing your, your web shop. And um, so it's really simple stuff, like making it, one click to add to add a beer to your to your basket. Um, putting all all of your beer. I mean, most brewers are not going to have any more than thirty different beers. So there's very few brewers that are going to have more than that. And you can easily fit all those products on on one page. One click, two clicks to to get those beers into your basket. Make it as as simple as possible. Um, and it's it's really simple stuff like that. And you know, we, we've got various different guides that, that we pulled together which help on things like that and that's something which we try to do throughout the year i know that when i was talking earlier we um we mentioned about opening up kind of opening up our services so to speak during coronavirus and um, i'd hope that those brewers have kind of got a taste of of how we can help and the kind of things that ciba do for members but yeah there's stuff like that and the we have um, you know labeling guides so with all of the kind of logos that you need and the vegan friendly logo and the assured seal and, and all that sort of stuff and all that advice is, is freely available to members so we try to help and we try to guide wherever we can and if there's something which which brewers are saying we could really do with knowing how this is going to work um, or how we should do this one thing then we'll, we'll get it started for you that's what, that's what we're here to do great well i, I love Seba. i'm a part of it as a supplier associate and I think everyone should join. So if, if anyone's listening to this who's not a member um, for, for whatever reason, in your words, why should they join and how can they join? I mean, I, quite simply, Seba's here to represent you and we're here to support you. We're here to promote small independent breweries. Um, be your voice in Parliament. Be your voice in the industry. Um, 
But the best way to amplify that voice and the best way to give it greater impact is for as many of us as possible to be involved in it. Um, as I mentioned before, we've got the, the beer awards, which we have around the country, um, which were a great kind of networking opportunity for brewers and are totally free to get involved in. Um, and there's various different benefits, which I've kind of talked about a little bit on, the, on this podcast. I'm not going to detail again now, but the main thing for me is, yeah, where your voice we're here to represent you and the way to amplify what we do is to get involved um, and to, to, to guide that voice and to give it greater impact. Fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the show today, Neil. How, how can people connect with you if they've got any questions? Yeah, no problem. So, um, I mean, you can you can email me. So neil.walker at seabird.co.uk. Um, I'm also on Twitter as well. I'm happy to have chats on Twitter. If you want to direct message me, it's um, e isn't c neil. Um, Twitter app, he doesn't say the or whatever, um, which was my old blog. So I, I was a blogger before I uh, worked officially in the beer industry um, and wrote Eating Isn't Cheating. So that's why it's he isn't seen the Oh, wow. Okay. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> that's a whole yeah. other podcast episode right there. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that, was my, um, that was my passion before it became the day job. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Neil. Thank you. No problem. It was really, really enjoyable. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers.